Hey everybody, just dropping in here before the show to let you all know that uh, throughout this recording it's going to sound like I'm interrupting Ryan a whole hell of a lot. Just wanted to let you know that's not the case. Uh, His feed on Skype recorded with about a full second of lag behind it, so he's still talking when my feed comes in and cuts him off. Uh, Just wanted to drop in here and let you know that before you all thought I was a jerk for interrupting my friend so much. Uh, That's not what's happening, so thank you all very much and enjoy the show. Dino Files. Welcome to Dino Files, episode 21. I am Dino. With me is Ryan Porterfield. He's been a guest many times, haven't you, Ryan? I have. I even ran uh, in the episode you your once. Well, you were out. That was yeah. a good episode. Hold tight for computer sounds. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, running a USB switch uh, is a blessing and a curse, mostly a curse. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but we are live right now on the YouTubes, and this is going to be our uh, this is going to be our episode. I feel like I have begun to kind of get the streaming and everything figured out. Uh, a mea culpa. First off, I um I didn't do a quick hits this week. And I did not do a quick hits because uh, I had too much shit to do on top of the fact that I was still trying to get my computers all... I'm, I'm still working out kinks on these machines. So, uh, yeah, I didn't do a quick hits. This Sorry, I didn't do it. Uh, yeah, my bad. I'll wear a hair shirt, I guess. Uh, yeah, shame on you. You're, you're a bad <laughs> podcaster. Bad podcaster. Not keeping my own uh, my own schedule. Okay, so what have you been up to, sir? There's there's wonderful news that you have, I believe, if you would like to share it. Uh, yeah, I got a job, yeah, finally. You, you, you uh, didn't just get a job, my friend. Five months. No, I got a pretty good job, uh, five yeah. months out of college. Um, so I was telling you before the show, you can see my suitcase right here. I have all the stuff uh, packed up that I'm going to need immediately after I move. Uh, relocating for my job across the country. Uh, moving companies coming out tomorrow to pack up the rest of the shit. And then I fly across across the U.S. on Thursday. Start work next Monday. I'm so proud. I don't know why I had nothing to do with it. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It was... It felt like a long time searching. Uh, yeah, and you were working the FedEx warehouse job and, in between gigs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, working at FedEx and uh, and playing drums um, on the weekends oh, for yeah, some Jake, additional uh, income. Jake kind of got you that, didn't he? Yeah, Jake helped set me up with that. It was pretty well, nice. I'm I'm super happy that things are going really well for you. I'm I am that's it's wonderful. It really is. I'm I'm elated for you. Uh. Yes, things are saying. <laughs> Nothing changed for me. <laughs> um, all right, man. Uh, actually, I did get accepted to the uh, Texas teacher certification thing, so I've got a year okay, of what's nice. residency, making like twenty-seven thousand, mm-hmm. and then I have to, uh, and then after that, I'll be certified. I want to go to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I feel like Austin's good. Um, Why well, is that? I, I like Austin because Austin at this point is sort of um, alternative podcasting mecca. 
Like, it's, like, okay. you know, all the repurposed NPR shows that get released as podcasts and all that shit, that's all New York and, and coastal and shit like that, but uh, it's a very bi-coastal yeah. thing, but the, the cool stuff, like, you know, Frog Pants and Diamond Club, you know, Brian Brushwood, No Agenda, all that stuff is Austin. You know, there's a uh, a YouTuber I follow, and he's looking at moving, um... And he was looking at either uh, Atlanta or Austin were his top two choices. He's like, what kind of hipster cities where, you know, there are a lot of creators. Um, yeah. These kind of up-and-coming places. Well, that's the thing is that, I mean, it, there you've got, you know, like Rooster Teeth is there. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, I was going to say, there's there's actually a several companies like that in, in Louisville as well. Um Louisville's kind of become sort of a pseudo thing for that too. But I, I think Austin's probably the place to be for new media. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Flower Mound is where Funimation is headquartered. You had told me that. You had told me that. Um, I think uh, Screw Attack, which is now, I think, operated by Rooster Teeth, if I'm not mistaken, is the Louisville, is the Louisville company. I don't know why. I don't like that area. It's. It's boring. There's nothing either, there. But it just, uh, it, it, I don't know. I'm, are you talking about Austin or Louisville? Louisville. Austin, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in, uh, but I really enjoyed it the well, I was small amount of time at, I was there. Uh, at housing costs and stuff, and it doesn't look terrible, which surprised me. Um, yeah. In, you know, in kind of the burbs type of thing. It, trying to get in the middle of Austin's. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you can, you can get 30 minutes outside of Austin and have pretty good prices. Yep, I'm moving to uh, one of the top 20 most expensive cities in the U.S. That's about about as much information as I'll give. I'm going to be um, nearly in downtown, and my rent is going to be 2500 <laughs> a month. Ow! That hurt my soul yeah. to hear that. There was one apartment I found I really liked. I showed you a picture of, actually. It had a great uh, lake view, balcony... And that one ran 3k a month. And I was like, that's just a little more than I'm looking to spend. By a little more, I mean about $500 <laughs> a month more. Which is almost what my rent is now. My rent is a little higher than that here. That's what's ridiculous. Is you, is you start comparing just, places like that, um, it, it's it's ridiculous. You're sitting here living in a, in a $700 a month place, and then you look, and it's $2,500. Yeah. But... Luckily, I have a good job, so I can right. afford it. So, well, I think uh, I think it is time that we begin to cover our stories for today. Uh, you want to just do it in the order that they're on the sheet, or is there anything you want to hit first? Uh, I'm good with whatever, man. Okay, I'll let you well, drive. Uh, I'm interested in talking about Comey here at the beginning because uh, two reasons: I want to get it out of the way, and also I want to get this shit out of the way because it's impossible to talk about um, the Comey. Did you watch any of the Comey hearing? I didn't. I've been it's so fine. busy the last few weeks. The Comey hearing, uh, the way that it's been covered <laughs> in, in the media has basically been, whatever you want to believe, just scribble that on top of the Comey hearing and report that. Um, That's what I've seen. I actually saw an interesting uh, image that was how uh, MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News each covered it, and it was completely different across all three. And there are outright lies being told by every media outlet. It's like whatever people want to, again, 
People just heard, and RT basically had this report. RT said people are just hearing what they want to hear at this point. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. There's no, it, it doesn't make any sense from one report to the next what's being said. It's insanity. Uh, so I do want to cover a couple of things about Comey, the first of which uh, gets me a little turgid. Comey from Vessel News. Comey sued over widespread illegal spying on Americans. I'm just going to read a little bit of a, of a relevant portion of this. Um, uh, documents obtained by Circa outside of the lawsuit show that U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington in 2015 approved a grant of limited immunity for Montgomery. Uh, this is the guy that's bringing the lawsuit. Uh, he took 47 drives. Oh, it, it explains yeah. Montgomery, so he could explain how he managed to walk out of his contract work for several U.S. intelligence agencies with 47 hard drives of highly classified documents, a security breach potentially larger than Edward Snowden's leak. The documents show FBI agents uh, interviewed Montgomery on videotape for several hours and collected the 47 drives. The FBI contacts with Montgomery were encouraged by a senior status federal judge who encouraged the two sides to meet rather than allow for any of the classified materials to leak. According to interviews Circa uh, conducted, Montgomery's lawsuit, which included his lawyer, the well-known conservative activist Larry Clayman, alleges Montgomery provided extensive evidence to the FBI of illegal spying on Americans ranging from judges to businessmen uh, like the future President Donald Trump. Okay, uh, there's a few issues with this story that I want to clear up, the first of which is they say from judges to businessmen like the future President Donald Trump. They don't say Donald Trump. Um... But outside of this, yeah. if this is actually going to go through, if this if this case is going to be heard, I'd be very interested to see where it goes because it looks very interesting. What yeah. do you think about it? Uh, it looks really interesting. I don't know if Kami is the guy to sue or not here. Uh, this article talks about a similar lawsuit yeah. against the NSA. And, you know, as the director of the FBI, at some level, Kami is responsible for this. Um. But we've seen so much illegal spying from all these organizations, um, NSA, FBI, and that one other one that like New no existed. one yeah. knows about. <laughs> I can't remember their. Uh, I can't remember. I, their I can't even. Soup name yeah, now, I can't but. remember. But there's one that's like even yeah. more egregious than that. Yep. That just no one talks about. Um, so yeah, like I like the idea of this lawsuit because I'm really against surveillance yeah. of any kind for the most part. Um, I just don't know that Kami is the guy to sue. Uh, the other thing that really strikes me here is 47 hard drives is not an amount of data. That is exactly right. Um, this is a hard drive right here. <laughs> 47 of these in a stack we don't know. does not tell you how much data there is. We don't know nope. the size of the hard drives, how full they were. Uh, it says potentially larger than yeah. Edward Snowden's leak, and that's true. It's also potentially smaller or potentially the same size. Um, exactly. This. this so right we don't here, know how much information this to? is. Oh, thank you. Can't. Uh, it's not it's in a Seagate focus. drive. It's a terabyte drive. This is a terabyte drive right here, and these also come in 500 gigabytes. They come in. They pro You can probably still get these in like 200 gig if you were looking. Is that a laptop drive? No, or it's is a, that a small form factor uh, portable drive. Ah, all right. I just gave my dad a one terabyte drive and a 320 gigabyte drive or something, like roughly the same exactly. form factor. So it's, there's no way to tell no, how much data is that on 47 drives. In fact, hold on a second. 
This right here, sadly, I believe it's dead. But this is a three terabyte drive. Yep. I have a, a computer I'm building for when I start my new job, and it has uh, two, two terabyte yeah. hard drives like that and a, uh, a one terabyte SSD. This drive SSD. is way bigger than it needs to be, actually, because the, uh, I got this years and years ago. So these things, you can get this kind yeah, of storage well, in this kind of form factor now. The other thing is, like, you can get those three and a half inch yeah. drives, which are like 10 gigs, 15 gigs, yeah. if they're really old. Um, like, you know, older technology um, storage was, for the size, well, the physical size huge, the yeah, actual storage small. size tiny. Um, like, storage has come, storage technology has come a long way. to know the difference between these two items. Like, I don't trust these people yeah. enough to know the difference between a hard drive and a thumb drive, or a, th- or a uh, flash drive. I don't trust these yeah. people enough to know the difference between those two things. So, there were 42 examples of some storage medium. There are 47 of them taken <laughs> from by this guy, I guess is what we've landed on. Anywhere from, anywhere from uh, 3 gigs to probably... Let's just say anywhere from three gigs to a petabyte was taken. <laughs> Forty-seven times, uh, except also we <laughs> don't exactly know how full right. they were. Um, but yeah. It, it, anyway, the, the point being, and that he's suing Comey and a few other uh, parties for spying on Americans, which good, but also it's not going to go anywhere. What are you thinking? Um, <laughs> no, the the only way I see this going. Even if the FBI was illegally spying, they, which they, they were, but they let's be honest, we know this by now, uh, all the time. Um, like, it's going to get to court, and someone's going to be like, yeah, well, you know, Comey's not the person well, responsible. Well, boss is and, uh, the uh, Department of Justice, the uh, the Attorney General. So, um, it, it's, yeah. it's one of those, I don't think you can pin anything on Comey at this point. Um, except for this. This next story, very interesting. Wonderful story about how much you can actually trust the media. Media even at the highest level. The actual newspaper of record, the old gray lady, fucked up and won't admit it. I love this story. Um, during the investigation, or during, not investigation, during the hearing that Comey was at, uh, he said that the February 14th story that the New York Times wrote about, um... Uh, communications between the Trump campaign and Russian intelligence officials and stuff like that was bullshit. Comey, the guy who would know, said it was bullshit. Not only did he say it was bullshit, but it was also apparently known that he was walking around the hill talking to senators and congresspeople on purpose so they would know it was bullshit. There's a, uh, a quote from Comey in here I'm looking for. I can't remember exactly where it is. But basically... Comey, it's a quote, uh, and Comey says, uh, I was so disturbed by this news article, I went and asked again to see if there was anything I was missing. Yep, and the answer is, no, the New York Times is just wrong. And so the New York Times, uh, after this comes out, the New York Times is like, they're shitting themselves trying to figure out how they can save face on this one. And the way they decided to do it was this. Oh, quote. This is from the Daily Caller, which I don't like as a source, but this is a vetted article. I went through, I looked at the sources. I've, I've heard the entire Comey hearing myself. This, art, this article is accurate, okay? It's 
one of like maybe 25 articles on the Daily Caller. It's worth a shit, but it is accurate. Quote, the New York Times published an examination of Mr. Comey's statements today, which are which reviews our previous coverage and found no evidence that any prior reporting was inaccurate. The statement from the paper said, in fact, subsequent reporting by the Times and other media outlets has verified our reporting as the story makes clear. The problem with this is that the story was based entirely on, I think, three unidentified sources who could not be reached for comment after the story was published. So they couldn't go back to yeah. their sources and, that, and double check. That second part, that second part, is the important point. Like they're not necessarily unidentified, yes. but anonymous sources all the time, and like you kind of have to trust them the majority of the time. Make sure their shit lines up and and exactly. is verifiable or whatever. Um, but anonymous sources are important. It's that second part that they couldn't be reached yes. again afterwards that really. Uh, is the nail in the coffin because here. basically if if they couldn't be reached again then what the new york times did is they went back and they looked at the story that they published they looked at the documents they had or or, or uh, i can't remember if it was actual documents or what it was but they went back and they looked at it and then they tried to get a hold of the sources and the sources couldn't be reached and so they looked at the documents that they got from the sources and they looked at their story and those two things lined up and they said eh, we're not going to retract anything the story was right and comey's over here like no, it is, isn't, though. <laughs> I, I like this quote towards the, the middle of the article. Uh, Comey did not say exactly what he believed was incorrect about the article, the reporters write in their explanation, speculating he was referring to how the paper described the Russians involved or possibly the form of evidence. Yeah, but the collected. problem is that doesn't match up with what Comey said during the uh, actual hearing when he said... Uh, he was asked, would it be fair to criticize that story as almost entirely or characterize that story as almost entirely wrong? Republican Senator Tom Cotton asked Comey during the hearing. Yes, Comey replied. And at another point in the hearing, he said of the report, in the main, it was not true. In the main, it was not true. Yeah, that's not the you that's know, not specific the details. That's in yeah. the main, it was not true. And saying that you're... The, the 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 assumption that you're working from is itself uh, erroneous, is what he's saying. And so, the, yeah. I mean, the New York Times basically, look, I've pointed this out several times. I pointed this out when the New York Times had to retract their definition of Aleppo three fucking times in the article in which they were making fun of Gary Johnson for not knowing what Aleppo was. They had to retract their definition of Aleppo three fucking times. They couldn't get it right. The New York Times is a bullshit outlet, and I've been saying this forever. It is. I actually, uh, I'm not a huge Mac guy, um, but I follow a, a Mac blogger, one of the most prominent Mac mm-hmm. bloggers, John Gruber, and boy, he shits on NYT all the time. And well, it's because all these mainstream thing. media sources are horseshit, and I hate that term. I hate that phraseology, mainstream media. I can't stand that phraseology because it makes me sound like fucking Alex Jones. But the 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 fact is, these people <laughs> suck. <laughs> like th- these people can't be trusted. No. Uh, well, at least at the NYT, there are still good. Sure, but I don't trust. I don't trust sources, the Washington but... Post. I don't trust the New York Times. I don't trust the LA Times. I don't trust. Uh, the, honestly, the sources that I trust are the sources that I know. I know a guy who uh, who runs a site called the Fifth Column News, and I trust pretty much everything they put up on that site. 
because I know that the guy that runs it is a trustworthy guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, outside of that kind of thing, there's very few sources that I actually will read and and assume that there's very little to, or to no bias or actually think they're right on anything. Yeah, that's uh, I like the Washington Post, but you have to know that they have some bias. And you just kind of have to yeah. adjust. But I think at least from what I've seen on the whole their reporting tends to be all right. Well, the but, One of the things that, that just fascinates me about this is this story broke and there's fucking crickets, man. Nobody's paying attention to this. Nobody. No, well, it's it's like you said earlier, like, people are hearing what they want to hear at this point. Um, my favorite thing, you don't have it pulled up on the docket, Absolutely. so I hope you don't mind if I uh, digress for a minute. But uh, everyone, you actually may have covered this on the show already, uh, everyone got so pissed when Trump pulled out of the TPP the TPP, the TPP was, was fucking awesome. horrible. I think I did cover it. We we actually uh, covered the mm-hmm. IP chapter when it was leaked. Um, we sure did. Man, that thing, it allowed uh, corporations yep. to sue governments. Uh, the entire IP chapter was just complete garbage. It was garbage. nutty, the amount um, of, of corporate jerk-offedness that was in that fucking treaty. It's like, uh, this is... A really nerdy reference like people who support the tpp want to live in the world of, that Shadowrun is set in yep like this is how we exactly. get the shadow run future that's um, exactly right a, a similar kind of thing would be like a like the repo the genetic opera like that's the kind of thing the tpp leads yeah. to and and honestly the same thing talking about trump pulling out of treaties i covered the paris climate accord and uh, I looked at a Reason article yeah. that basically said the Paris Climate Accord was bullshit anyway. There was no Yeah, no, that it. was a, it a thing. I've seen it. Yeah, there was no enforcement policies for the member nations. It was going to spend, what was it, like $3 trillion a year? And it was going to... I don't think it was going to stop warming at all. I think it was going to decrease warming by like yeah. 0.3 degrees. In the next Based on computer years, models, which, which are is not inaccurate anyway. Yeah, like uh, we've talked on our other show that I I definitely think that global warming is real and that there's enough evidence to support it, and so I'm all about trying to stop it. I don't think the Paris Climate Accord was going um, to do it. No. I mean, that's the thing about about people get so wrapped up in this religion of like of global warming and stuff like that but and they do so such so much that the Paris climate agreement becomes the bible and it's like Trump's pulling out of the fucking bible for these people and it's if you actually read the thing it's mostly bullshit i really like um you know all my all my super liberal friends are going on about how um why would Trump pull out of this? Even ExxonMobil thought this was a good idea. I wonder I why. Like, if ExxonMobil <laughs> thinks this is a good idea, I wonder, you know, why. Like, maybe this isn't. Yeah, ExxonMobil thought it was a good idea. Right. That's your first clue that it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that blows me away. They thought that was a reason that it was good? I. You know, at this point, people want every reason they can get to hate on yeah. Trump. And and they will take anything he does and spin it into this world clear, destroying. I don't think either thing. of us are fans of Trump, and, correct? Yeah. No, not in the slightest. Yeah, but I can't stand he's, him. He's 
There's the, there's a difference between you don't gain I, anything by lying about it. You don't gain anything by lying yeah. about the Paris Accords, by lying about the Comey testimony, by lying about any. You don't gain anything by lying. Point out the stuff that he does that's actually horseshit. Don't go finding things to mislead people with because that's not necessary right now. People are so ready to hate this guy. If you tell the truth about him, they can't help but hate him. Lying yeah. only hurts your cause. And that, that's what bothers me so much is that people are so self-defeating. Trying to go after Trump like fucking Waters. Fucking what's her name? Uh, Maxine Waters. She, this fucking moron. Okay, this moron keeps walking around talking about how she is so hell-bent on impeachment. She's not even doing her fucking job as a representative at this point. She's walking around so hell-bent on impeachment. Everything she says on the floor of Congress is about impeachment. Everything she says to the media is about impeachment. What the fuck are her constituents interested in? Because I guarantee you her constituents, the people that she was hired by to represent them, are not 100% about Trump's impeachment. I bet they got roads with potholes that need to be fucking filled, Maxine. Uh, she's a representative for California. Well, then I know they got potholes. <laughs> that's all i hear from fucking californians is the potholes <laughs> i wouldn't think california's oh, dude, roads would terrible. be that bad actually in like in like the 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 metroplex areas the the highway system's fine it's the surface streets uh i haven't it's been so long since i've been to uh like metropolitan areas I just listen in california to enough from people in california that like like yeah the highways are fine but the surface streets are horseshit like Denton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the highways here are not even fine anymore. Oh no, not construction and shit going on. Oh man, driving here okay, is uh, fucking uh, Okay, next story. Do you want to talk about Bill Maher saying the N-word? Saying the N-word. Do you want to talk about Bill Maher saying nigger? Might as well. Because um, I really don't know how to... Well, that's not true. I don't know. I think it's important because... Everything in this article you linked, actually, I agree with. Really? And I'm a guy who, like, the few, okay. yeah, the few clips of Maher I've seen, um, I kind of like him. Uh, he he seemed to have a really good take after on um, how liberals were behaving yeah. after Trump was elected, uh, which is most of what well, I've seen. Well, he has of a him. similar view of the uh, and he, like he seems like yeah, he seems like a, a kind of grounded liberal uh just based on a little bit i've seen that could be completely inaccurate um but i really think this this quote from him is actually a little problematic have you heard the audio but it's the audio no i've only seen this article you share the audio of the actual thing is this wasn't like him standing up and saying something indignantly or anything like that this was offhanded said sort of not under his breath, but like like a bullshit, like meh, like a throwaway thing. He wasn't being malicious. He wasn't being any kind of way other than a fucking comedian on HBO. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see what you mean. I still think it's problematic. Sure, um, but okay. How about this? Do you think he should lose his show for it? No, I don't think he should okay. lose his show. Uh, so Okay, so yeah, in that regard, uh, I'll agree that or I'll, um, I don't agree with everything in this article. My only problem, uh, my problem with the article, look, I have a problem with, um, people 
Well, I, uh, there's a there, my my problem with this article. One of my problems with this article, and I think it's my primary problem with this article, is not so much the opinion about Bill Maher because I'm not a huge Bill Maher fan. My my problem with the article is there is an internal inconsistency in the article in which the author is. Let me look. Uh, Jahan Jones says in no uncertain terms that whiteness is a construct and it does not really exist but then goes forward to make references to blackness as if it does and that to me is an internal inconsistency in the way that this person sees uh these events or at least sees race i I think it's an internal inconsistency to say that whiteness does not exist and blackness does now, you have to understand, and, and so does everybody listening, I don't think whiteness or blackness exists. I'm a radical individualist. I think the only thing that exists is I. And that's the only way you can reference yourself and be logically consistent, is if you reference yourself as I, not as a white person or a black person or a man or a woman or what have you. If you reference yourself as I, you will always be logically consistent, bringing in... uh groupthink and, and ways of defining yourself based on group identities leads to logical inconsistencies like these. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I have to say is I'm an Israelite. So <laughs> that word is only a color. And in fact, no more. Oh, Kendrick. Um, it is. That album is so, so good. good. Um, I don't think he should lose his show over this, and I do think it's problematic, and um, in in isolation, the context that he's just making this out-of-hand reference isn't necessarily yeah. problematic in and of itself. The problem is that it yeah. isn't in isolation, um, and we've seen so much... Uh, I don't know how to how to turn this verb into a verb, uh, militiaized m- militia uh, as a verb, um, um racism no, since no, Trump got elected that like, yeah. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen so many like extremists feel safe. Um, actually like legitimately yeah. threatening people since Trump was elected that I think, you know, um, normalizing this even more is a problem. And that's the context, you know, that See, I kind of okay. fall on the side um, of, I don't care what anybody says. I really don't. Um, so long as you're actual, if you, as you're not credibly threatening myself or my family or my possessions, as long as you're not making a credible threat toward me or my family or what have you, then I don't really care what anybody says. And if I disagree with something somebody says... I can go make that known. That's what's wonderful about Twitter and Facebook and the democratization of the internet is that if you if you disagree with something someone says, you can just go say it and you can say it to them. And so I don't I don't think my problem with this notion of have you ever read the book so you've been publicly shamed? Uh, uh what's his I no, but I've seen interviews from the guy who wrote it and Man, does that guy uh, make some good points? I think if you Um, take his book in conjunction with The Kindly Inquisitors by Jonathan Rauch, what you get is sort of a a philosophy of free speech, but like you you have the right to say what you want, 
you don't have the right to be listened to or agreed with. Yeah, that's actually something I was thinking about uh, when I was reading this article earlier preparing for the show, uh, was specifically um, an example from that book, which he uh, has done an entire TED Talk about. I can't, I can't remember his uh, name. I'll just Google it real quick. Keep talking. Um, all right. Uh, is that like... Um, fuck, I've completely uh, lost my point. Example from So You've Been Publicly Shamed? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so um, uh, there was a, a girl reporter who was going to yep. Africa She's the major to do some reporting. Exam. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so she posts on Twitter before plane fight, flight, Justine you know, Salter. headed to Africa. Hope I don't get... And the writer is yeah. John... Hope I don't uh, get... John... I just accidentally clicked away from the page. John Ronson is the name. <laughs> yeah, John Ronson. Uh, he also has a really good book on psychopaths. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh... And so she posts on Twitter, you know, uh, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding, I'm white. The point being that, like, you know, white people don't have a lot of these problems or issues that black yeah. people in poor communities do. Like, while she's in Africa, she's, she's going to be staying at nice places. Just kidding, I'm white, eat. implying that I don't have to worry about that because I live in... She's agreeing with the notion of white people living in a bubble of, a bubble of privilege. And all of the people who are get mad about white people living in bubbles of privilege who agree with the point she was trying to make just absolutely vilified and destroyed she her she lost her job over that odd and, followers on twitter when she made that tweet but you know it got retweeted by the right person and someone else saw it, it and then it went viral and yeah and she was just destroyed um donald trump even jumped on it the other the other story I can't remember who it was um, that that this makes me think of specifically is another white, male, hetero, liberal uh, newscaster recently, recently as of like within the last two or three months, um, made a joke about uh, Putin's mouth being a cock holster for Trump oh, or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you yes. remember that story? And there were, there were like, a very, very small number of people were like, yeah, we don't like Trump or Putin, but you shouldn't turn this into a homosexual <laughs> joke. Like, that's offensive. And so fucking, uh, fucking conservatives came out and were like, yeah, fire this guy for, you know, not being consistent, like, you know, making fun of homo... And the conservatives here were being dicks. Of course they were. They knew it was bullshit. The liberal, the liberal response for the most part was like, "No, it's totally fine that he was derogatory towards homosexuals because he was making fun of Trump." I just, I don't fucking get it. I don't get it. But that's my big thing about this: is like this this story. First of all, saying that whiteness doesn't exist and is also inherently dangerous, inconsistent. Saying that whiteness is inherently dangerous, racist. Also, um, implying saying that whiteness doesn't exist, but blackness does, also logically inconsistent. So I, I've got problems with this whole worldview. Um, but again, understanding that I'm not a I'm a radical individualist. I don't I don't care about whiteness or blackness or whatever the fuck it is. I don't care about any of that. The smallest minority is the individual, and that's the minority we should be concerned about. That's my point of view. 
So I don't, I don't tend to, I tend to see people who define themselves, especially in these kinds of very public ways, people who identify themselves or define themselves based upon group characteristics, I see them as weak people in it. So it, it doesn't really matter. But I just don't, well, people say things on television and who are you? Who the fuck are you? I don't understand this, this notion of publicly shaming people and acting like, acting like, oh, he said something I don't like, so he should lose his show. And you and all your dumb friends getting together on the internet and trying to get people fired and ruin people's lives. Fuck you. If you have an argument, make your argument. Like, frankly, the dude that wrote this article, good on him. He went out and he made his argument and he did it in a public forum. And now... There's something Bill Maher has to answer for. But a bunch of idiots on Twitter going, Oh my god, that hurt me so bad, you need to lose your job. That's not an argument. Yeah. It's... I don't know. I think that's <laughs> everything I have to say about this. I, like, re- I, I will go hard for free speech on almost every point. I really will. Because I don't... Because frankly, I know I'm next. I know I'm next. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree an, there. <laughs> you know um, I'm next to <laughs> As an anarchist, no, it's like... <laughs> that's exactly what I meant, but it's all... As an anarchist, I know I'm next. Um, I know I'm next on the chopping block. Once, once speech is policed, as an anarchist, I know I'm next. Well, the interesting thing is, like, libertarians already yeah. are on the chopping block. Um, I recently, uh, because you know way more about politics than I do. You follow it much closer. I sent you an article I read. It was a fucking BuzzFeed article. And I was like, are they just, is this author just stupid? Or is there something I'm missing? Because they were trying to describe Trump and I think you said his name earlier, that asshole YouTuber who's conspiracy theorist who's been in the news recently. uh, Lost custody of his kids. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, BuzzFeed described them as libertarians. And I'm like, as I understand it, nothing about them is libertarian, but it's just another, like, uh, you know, extremist liberals have have libertarians on the chopping block. I mean, look, I mean, that's um, the thing. People people want to ascribe that kind of shit in, um, in those kinds of terms, but the truth is Alex Jones is a constitutionalist, and Donald Trump is arguably a technocrat, but I would just describe him as an opportunist. Yeah, I... Uh, and even like describing him as libertarian is really stupid because everything he's shown so far exactly. is authoritarian. Exactly. Like libertarianism is the opposite of authoritarianism. Libertarianism is not the opposite of liberalism. Louder for the people in the back. Jesus fuck. No, that's so <laughs> fucking true. And it, it you know what? The fact you just said that and you just made me realize that's the fucking problem. People think liberta- libertarianism is the opposite of liberalism, but it's not. It's half of liberalism. It's the, the good half of liberalism and the good half of conservatism. Good halves. I mean, you, I mean you've got... That's exactly right, man. You just blew my fucking mind with that. <laughs> because that's how they see it. That's how they see it. They see libertarianism as being their polar opposite. Oh, man. That's bothersome. And well, I don't know that I want to do that. Shall we? Uh, <laughs> we shall we, we can move on. on. I want to or... talk about Qatar, Qatar uh, advertising, whatever you want to call it. Um, Qatar. Okay, 
This whole golf thing is is has been in the news and nobody really understands it. So the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull up a map. Uh, I'm gonna pull up a map of the area near Saudi Arabia, and I'm gonna look at this. Yeah, I'm because it kind thing. of makes it clear, more so that's clear, a good idea. exactly the kind of deals that we're looking at. Now, you can see, when you look at this map here, you've got the Persian Gulf, which is the gulf that we're referring to when you say the Gulf Crisis. We're talking about the Persian Gulf. And bordering on the Persian Gulf, uh, you've got, on the Arabian Peninsula, on the end, you've got Oman, the United Arab Emirates, and Qatar, and then Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and then on the other side of the Gulf, Iran, going down toward Pakistan. And that is, yep. those are effectively your major players. Iraq also has a little bit of territory on the Gulf there. Um, yeah, a little and then bit. And Yemen is down here, uh, not on the Persian Gulf. It's over off the Red Sea and the, I believe it's the Indian Ocean, right? Arabian Sea. Um, that's where you've got Yemen, down there. Uh, just south of Saudi Arabia and southwest of Oman. So these are the countries that we're dealing yeah. with. Yeah, And... I just want to go through and look at this little breakdown here. I'm going to go toward the very top, in, or the very bottom, so we can start. Okay, this began when four Arab states cut diplomatic ties with Qatar. Dubai, uh, out of Dubai, four Arab states have cut diplomatic ties with Qatar. Oh, this is uh, golfnews.com. This is their sort of timeline of events. Four Arab states have cut diplomatic ties with Qatar, accusing it of destabilizing the region. Saudi Arabia, the UAE, that's the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Egypt all announced they would withdraw their diplomatic staff from Qatar, while Saudi Arabia also said Qatari troops would be pulled from the ongoing war in Yemen. All right, I'm going to turn on my fan because I'm starting to sweat. Uh, you want to read 1016? Uh, very, if I can find it. Uh, very bottom. I am at the wrong. All right. 1016. Uh, in a statement issued by the Qatari Foreign Ministry, the country said it regretted the decision by Saudi Arabia, Egypt, the UAE, and Bahrain to cut diplomatic relations, according to Qatar-based Al Jazeera TV. I didn't know they were Qatar-based. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it also claimed that the decisions would not affect the normal lives of citizens so and residents. the... Uh... Qatar, of course, goes, we don't like this, basically. Um, I also didn't know until this that Al Jazeera was based in Qatar. I thought it was Saudi Arabian. Um, okay, the UAE supports the statements of Bahrain. This is 1044. UAE supports the statements of Bahrain, uh, Saudi Arabia on Qatar, Abu Dhabi. The United Arab Emirates has issued the following statement. The UAE affirms its complete commitment and support to the Gulf Corporation Council and to the security and stability of the GCC states. Within this framework, and based on the insistence on the state that of the state of Qatar to continue to undermine the security and stability of the region and its failure to honor international commitments and agreements, it has been decided to take the following measures that are necessary for safeguarding the interests of the GCC states in general and those of the brotherly Qatari people in particular. Okay, so what they've basically done is they've closed down the airspace, they've quit taking planes, they're sending all the planes back, they're, you know, basically just, they're trying to isolate Qatar as much as they possibly can. Um... Okay, so, scrolling up to the top, uh, from the United States, the United States does not want to see a permanent rift between Gulf countries, a senior U.S. administration official said on Monday, 
Still, the official said there's an acknowledgement that a lot of Qatari behavior is quite worrisome, not just to Will Gulf neighbors, but to the U.S. We want to bring them in the right direction. Okay, so uh, that's the basic thing. Is this whole started when Bahrain, the UAE, Egypt, and uh, Saudi Arabia decided we're not going to deal with Qatar anymore, and they cut Qatar off. And then the United States is like, oh, fuck, okay, uh, cool, Qatar, uh, you're funding terrorists, that's a bad thing. The United States is just, like, grabbing onto everybody's coattails and being like, we agree! Um, <laughs> the problem is, Saudi Arabia funds terrorism, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're our ally. Um, yeah, we're selling, you know, like... $3 billion worth of weapons to them over the next couple of months. So we're not going to shit on Saudi Arabia at all. But that's the problem, is that Saudi Arabia is also bullshit. They're also funding terrorism and all this other stuff, which has led some people to think that maybe this isn't about terrorism, and this is something I've been talking about for the duration of this show, probably, is that all this shit going on uh, uh, west of Russia and in the Middle East and all this, all of this shit's about pipelines. Yep. Yep. Natural and gas. Uh, story on Zero Hedge uh, basically supports this. And I'm going to read probably. I'm going to read a lot of this story, not all of it, but I'm going to read a lot of it. Um, okay. According to the official narrative, the reason for the latest Gulf crisis in which a coalition of Saudi-led states cut off diplomatic and economic ties with Qatar is because, to everyone's stunned amazement, Qatar was funding terrorists. And after Trump's recent visit to Saudi Arabia, in which he urged a crackdown on financial support of terrorism, and also following the FT's report that Qatar has directly provided $1 billion in funding funding to Iran and Al-Qaeda spinoffs, Saudi Arabia finally had enough of its rogue neighbor which in recent years has made ideologically unacceptable overtures toward both Shia Iran and Russia. Saudi Arabia is a Wahhabist nation. They fund terrorists too. I just want to make sure this stays in the front of everybody's mind. Uh, however, as, it off, as often happens, the official narrative is traditionally a convenient smokescreen from the real underlying tensions. The real reason behind the diplomatic fallout may be far simpler and, once again, has to do with a long-running and controversial topic, namely Qatar's regional natural gas dominance. Recall that many have speculated, with evidence going back as far as 2012, that one of the reasons for the long-running Syria proxy war was nothing more complex than competing gas pipelines, with Qatar eager to pass its own pipeline connecting Europe to its vast natural gas deposits. However, as that would put Gazprom's monopoly of European LNG supply in jeopardy, Russia had been firmly and violently against this strategy from the beginning, and it explains Putin's firm support of the Assad regime and the Kremlin's desire to prevent the placement of Syrian government with a puppet regime. So, we're just going to look. The Qatari pipeline, in order to serve natural gas to Europe, which is where everybody serves natural gas to, and this is the same reason we were making the TPP, <clears throat> the Qatari... <laughs> The Qatar pipeline would run up through the Qatar Turkey pipeline would run up through Saudi Arabia, up through Syria to Turkey, and then from Turkey to Europe, right? And that's part of the problem is yep. that if you can get in there to Syria and disrupt this whole thing, you can stop all of it because they're not going to be able to run it through Iraq and they're not going to be able to run it to, through Israel under the Mediterranean. They have to run it up through wow. Syria. And that is the reason that Russia is supporting the Assad regime is that Russia can then maintain their supply of natural gas to Europe over every method that they have through <coughs> Ukraine, 
and <laughs> can they can maintain that supply of natural gas. Ukraine steals a lot of natural gas from Russia. <clears throat> so <laughs> they uh they they want to keep that monopoly and that's part of the reason that that the t- that um the uh the uh we were going to make that deal with We've got tankers full of natural gas sitting in ports in Europe because we can't get them into the country because of customs. Part of the reasons for all these treaties that and all these trade agreements that we were trying to make with Europe was to get those tankers through customs faster so that we could start serving natural gas. That's part of the reason for our problems with Russia right now. I, I would argue it's the main reason. And Russia likes the monopoly that they have on natural gas to Europe. And that's why they're propping up Assad. Because as soon as you start sending natural gas from Qatar, Saudi Arabia, up through Syria, Russia loses its monopoly. Now, in a separate analysis, this is from the story again, Bloomberg also debunks the official narrative behind the Gulf crisis and suggests that Saudi Arabia's isolation of Qatar, quote, and the disputes long past and likely lingering future are best explained by natural gas, unquote. The reason for that... The reason for natural gas as the source of discord are numerous and started in 1995. I'm not going to read this history of it. It's not necessary. Um, above all, gas prompted Qatar, quote, gas prompted Qatar to promote a regional policy of engagement with Shiite Iran to secure the source of its wealth. So this is the main reason that they're cutting off ties with Qatar is because Qatar wants to start serving natural gas to Europe and everyone says, fuck you, no. I don't know a whole lot about this story, but, you know, based on some stuff I do know about, you know, past wars and this current war and fucking wherever we're at war now in the middle east uh it sounds really likely that's yep it's it (laughs) money exactly exactly natural gas is huge right now it's a it's a very clean burning energy source everybody's trying to use it more and russia has a monopoly on europe's natural gas and so qatar's trying to cut in on that monopoly man i'm sweating it's so hot in here it's so fucking (laughs) hot in this um, Have you tried taking all these clothes? It's getting hot in here. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's basically that. I've said it's pipelines forever, and it's still pipelines. I don't. I don't think there's much yeah. change here. All right. Let's look now. Uh, yeah, I Are think we ought on? to move on. I read just so much of that story. I don't think there's anything more to be said. Um. Here's here's another story which I don't know that? a whole lot about. Yeah, the yeah. Look, basically, the the long and short of it is this: Theresa May, the prime minister in the UK, thought that there was so much popular support for the Conservative Party and for Brexit that she called a snap election so that to try and to strengthen her majority in Parliament because the Conservative Party had a majority. She wanted to strengthen that majority, so she called a snap election, thinking that there was going to be a, a just a just a rush of conservative uh, parliamentary members voted in, uh, and it ended up not working out. Uh, there's The Conservative Party lost a yeah, lot of Yeah, they no longer yeah, have exactly. their majority. They're going to have to yeah. make a coalition government with somebody. The Labour Party ended up gaining way more seats than expected, Theresa May's gambit didn't play out in her favor, and politics is all gambling, you know what I mean? And this this was a bad rule that dies yep. on Theresa May's part. Would it have been smarter not to call the snap election and just do business with your majority that you already have? Yes. Um, but she chose not to. She thought that there was going to be a mandate from the people, and it didn't happen. Uh, some theories are that the reason it didn't happen 
is because students had been so heavily hammered for not voting in the Brexit vote. Um, and and they, the, some people theorize that that's why Brexit even happened, is because students didn't vote. Uh, now, we know, political scientists know that young people don't vote anyway, but young people did come out in larger numbers for this snap election, and some people believe that that is why the Conservative Party lost so many seats, is because the Labour Party has a lot of support with young people, and young people came out and voted this time. That is something yeah. I heard on Twitter, that uh, this election had a surprising number of young student voter turnout. Exactly. And that's that's what, that's the, the theory, is that among adults, if it was just adults voting, or people over, you know, people outside of the 18 to 35 bracket, um, if it was just them voting, she may have had her mandate. It may have been a massive landslide for the Conservative Party, but because young people voted in larger numbers than they traditionally do... It ended up, they ended up losing seats to the Labour Party. And the Independent Party got completely voted out of everything. UKIP has no seats in Parliament anymore, which is mind-boggling to me. Huh. I don't know nearly enough about uh, UK elections or government to... The, it's, it all, it all breaks down way simpler than you think. It's really similar to ours with just more parties. Really, I mean, they of course they're proportional representation and stuff like that, but that's just a system. Um, yeah. Anyway, that said, Theresa May's Conservative Party is going. They already got the go ahead from the Queen to make a government, and so they are probably going to have to form a coalition with. Uh, oh, what was the party I was trying to look at? Um, it wasn't the SNP, was it? Uh, uh um. I cannot remember what they're going to have to make a coalition with. Maybe it's in the second story. I think it is the S&P, isn't it? It might be. Yeah, they might I have to make a coalition is. with the S&P to make it happen. Um, at least that's what I was looking at. Theresa May was actually... People were calling for Theresa May to resign. which is Yeah, I saw that too. To me, but not surprising. And also, I, can, I can't find anything that says who was calling for. Like, I can't find anything that actually says who was calling for her to resign. If it was conservatives, that's a problem. If it was, uh, if it was labor, then that's expected. So, I'm not really yeah. sure. Anyway, UK election happened. Conservatives didn't fare as well as they thought they would. Which does put Brexit in trouble, because the Conservative Party now has to form a coalition government in time to start uh, Brexit negotiations in... I think at this point, eight days, uh, and that's probably not going to go too well. Um, all of this is part and parcel no. to what I've been saying since Brexit happened, which is they're not going to let it happen. They are not going to let Brexit happen. It'll be years of negotiations before the UK. Frankly, I think the EU has a better chance of completely collapsing before the UK is actually out. <laughs> like, that would not surprise me one bit. Yeah. I hope they let it happen, but I doubt they're going to. Uh, you want to move on and talk about Ontario? Jesus fucking yeah, let's Christ, do that. Ontario. What are you doing? What are you doing, Canada? I like the RT story better. I'm probably going to go off that one. Uh, that's not the one I have pulled up. Okay. So give me a second. What the fuck are you doing, Ontario? I don't understand. I actually haven't read this story the yet. One? More than the headline. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do, do I need to read anything more Not than the really. headline? It doesn't no. seem like it. This seems no, pretty. No, it's pretty cut, cut and dry. dry. Um, uh, from the story, 
legislation passed by the Canadian province of Ontario has granted authorities the right to take children away from parents who refuse to accept their children's gender identity. Critics of the new measure launched a petition aiming for a repeal of a totalitarian child abuse bill. Out of Ontario's 86 legislators, 63 voted in favor of Bill 89, or the Supporting Children, Youth, and Families Act of 2017. Skiafa, You guys need some help with writing your bill titles such that they can be pronounced based upon the first letters of each word in the title. You guys in Canada need some fucking help with that. <laughs> the legislation replaced... Acronyms yes, are acronyms important. are very important. Uh, the legislation places the Child and Family Services Act, which used to govern C- CFSA, fuck you guys, really? Which used to govern child protection, foster care, and adoption services in the province. The new law includes gender identity and gender expression as factors to be considered by child protection services in the best interests of the child. It deprives parents of their earlier right to, quote, direct the child's education and religious upbringing. The family is now only allowed to, quote, direct the child or young person's education and upbringing in accordance with the child or young person's creed, community identity, and cultural identity. The bill was introduced by Ontario's Minister of Child and Family Services, Michael Coteo, Cotao, something I can't pronounce, who said, quote, I would consider that a form of abuse when a child identifies one way and a caregiver is saying, no, you need to do this differently. If it's abuse... If if it's within the definition, a child can be removed from that environment and placed to protection where the abuse stops. At what age is a child old enough to know how they identify? At what age does a child's fucking opinion matter? They they talk about a child's creed. Does a child have a fucking creed? No, I fucking think they so don't. either. Um, this is fucking insanity. <laughs> I community identity and cultural identity. We know the parts of the human brain that control this shit aren't even developed until you're in your twenties. Why are you acting like a child's opinion of who they are is legitimate at all? Yeah, that that's my biggest problem with this is like, you know, I'm all about letting people be who they want to be. And if they don't identify as their birth gender, um, you know, let them identify however they want. That's fine. In some cases, in a lot of cases, it's still very common in the U.S. I assume it's still common in most of the world. Um, you know, transgender people face a lot of uh, abuse and stigma. They don't, they're not guaranteed the same rights under the Constitution that other people are. Um, in a lot of states, it's still legal to, um, you know, deny someone a job based sure. on how they identify sexually or, um, or not yeah, sexually and by, you know, if they identify as a different gender. Um, and so I understand trying to stop the abuse, but depending on the definition of children here, and I'm guessing they've got it wrong because you can argue for literally any viewpoint. Everyone has yeah. it wrong always um, with, you know, who is a child and I'm who assuming isn't, this is except all on, you know, some... Yeah, so so legal minors, like, they don't know yet, for the most part, until you get into your, I'd say, late teens, maybe you, you start to have who you some sense. And it's yeah. going to vary from person to person, too. Like, you know, some people will be earlier, some people well, we will know realize that later. The prefrontal cortex um, isn't even fully developed until you're in your early to mid-20s. The part yeah, of you that yeah, thinks so, is not developed until your early to mid-20s. If a child if comes home... And she says to you, I want to dress in 
boys clothes or i want to play you know sports these are all really old like 90s examples like i'm bad at coming up with examples but like you get my point like if she says at that point she wants to identify as as a boy more than likely she doesn't really realize what she's Mm -hmm. saying yet and maybe that will carry on later in life and she'll be correct maybe she'll realize she doesn't actually i don't think it's abuse any more than it's abuse to send your child to piano lessons they don't want to go to that is that is absolutely right or any more than taking your child to church under this i think you could argue well a lot of people also yeah, identify exactly. that as Under abuse. Under this law, I think but you could argue that taking a kid to church is abuse. Actually, I think specifically on this wording, it is uh, because the family is... Uh, it derives parents of their early right to direct the child's education and religious upbringing. Now they can only direct yeah, the education wrong. and upbringing. Uh, religion is cut out of that. And here's my so, issue. Here's Here's another argument... You can completely drop the philosophical argument on what it is to parent and what it is to be a parent. You can completely drop that argument. The easiest argument to make against this bullshit is the financial argument. Whose money has to support the decisions of the individual? If you are going to say that a, a dependence, a financial dependence opinions matter, right? Um, and not a financial dependent in the sense that just a financial and a child, a fucking child, a person who can't even do their, who cannot not do taxes, but who who cannot like have a job, can't support and, themselves and financially, not even, not, not even support themselves financially, but they they don't even they have no way of making or spending the money that they would need to make or spend so that they could buy their preferred clothing, so that they could buy the the whatever bindings you would use to tie your boobs down like they 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 can't do it you're forcing people to spend money on things they may not agree with that's fucking egregious yeah i agree with you there um you know you can live your life however you want as long as you're responsible for yourself um and look i'm look if my daughter were to say tomorrow well, I wouldn't care tomorrow because she's fucking three years old. <laughs> if my daughter were to be like 10 or 11 <laughs> years old or even in her late teens and say something like, I think I'm a boy. Fucking fine. Okay. Like you do you. I don't care. But I don't expect everyone around me to share that opinion. And I'm certainly not going to force them to under threat of taking their fucking children away. That is wrong on a lot of levels. I don't I don't yeah. agree with this at all. I this is beyond me not agreeing with it. This is I believe an actual egregious act of fucking terror. You're telling people that if you don't think a certain way, we're going to take your children from you. That is fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's it's in this vein of like the community and popular opinion knows best as long as the community and popular opinion agree with me. That's exactly right. Uh, And with the votes that they had here, it seems like, you know, they definitely have a majority agreement. Um, But I just, I use this as an example for everything because it's always so appropriate. Uh, A quote you shared right after Trump got elected, it's hard to feel 
sympathy for the people who believe that government should have control over everything when they whine and bitch when you know the government doesn't yeah. no longer agrees with them um yeah like we're we're so split in america you know right now like right down the line that who has the majority at any given time is subject to change and if you believe the government should be all powerful and can change anything then when people are changing yeah. things against you kind of hard to exactly. feel bad exactly and that's the that's the fucking thing i just don't jesus fuck i don't because what i always think of when this kind of thing happens is what's next what's next if they can if they can say this about a kid being trans okay uh fine you know let's be progressive liberals and let's let the government make the decision to take away people's fucking children because they don't agree with transsexual transsexuality okay let's be nice progressive leftists on that what's next your kids don't agree with multiculturalism that's a problem in europe right now people who don't agree with multiculturalism are all called nazis regardless of the fact that multiculturalism has almost destroyed their country their fucking continent they're all fucking nazis if they disagree with the idea of multiculturalism is that what's next what about uh fucking religion sorry uh you're a catholic your opinion doesn't matter here in fact it's illegal you're not allowed to take your kid to church as a catholic you have to be a protestant or you know all the way down the line on that i don't fucking get it what what happens to what happens to if this if this kind of opinion or, takes hold in Canada? What happens to the uh, the Quebec independence movement? You're not allowed to think that Quebec should be independent. You're not allowed to raise your kids to think that Quebec should be independent. It's really interesting. You saying that made me connect some other things. Uh, it's really interesting that a lot of liberals uh, are whining and bitching about, and I I agree with them on this point. Um, you know, uh, the problem with, you know, people saying that uh, um, you can't you can't protest, you can't try to um, uh, make change or be be progressive, you know, whatever version um, of politics is currently acceptable is defined by the ruling class. And so you have to be able to to stand up and disagree in some public forum, and then they turn around and say, no, but wait, you can't disagree with us. Because they are... It hasn't quite happened yet. They're not the majority. They're not in power yet. But they're getting there. And they're already turning into the ones who are saying, no, we well, have it right. You can't situation. disagree with us. I mean, the, I mean, socially, that's already the case. I mean, you can look at... So you've been publicly shamed. You can look at... Um, in any of these situations where if you don't toe the line, you're a Nazi. Automatically. I fucking hate Nazis. But I argued that Nazis should be allowed to host their sites on Squarespace. I argued that. And automatically, to somebody out there, and I haven't heard from him yet, thank God. But automatically, I'm a Nazi to somebody out there. And I fucking hate Nazis. But because I don't think people should be censored, I'm a Nazi. Because I value free speech over feelings, I'm a Nazi. It's it's a it's yeah. a fucking it's oh Jesus fuck it, it's and this is terrifying dude this terrifies me because this is the kind of shit people have yeah. been calling for in the United States if you remember um there was a woman from CNN I cannot remember this bitch's name but she was doing this she did this little this little thing on education and she said uh, we have to realize that these aren't just this that, th that these children don't belong to the parents that these are our children as a society. And I'm just like, 
Fuck you in the neck, uh, nope. our children. Nope. Fuck you. Nope. You didn't give birth to them. <laughs> exactly. Him. You don't pay to feed and clothe them or house them. Most of these people don't even think that they should be financially responsible for other people's children. They think the top 1% should be responsible yeah. and they should, and but not have any authority to influence them. It's, you know, the top 1% should pay for me to influence yeah. someone else's children is a really Absolutely. popular opinion right now. Absolutely it is. I just, it blows my mind. And with that kind of thinking, with that kind of, these are society's children. That's when you get shit like this. You're not allowed to raise your kid in the way that you think is best <clears throat> with the ideas, the philosophies, the creeds, the things that matter on a philosophical level. You're not allowed to raise your kids with those influences because, oh, society doesn't approve. Fuck your society. It's a really it selfish really mindset. Is. It's these other people owe me something. They owe yeah. me to support me and be like me. You know, these other members of society are contributing to me. But, you know, what it, what am and I it contributing seems, to them? It seems intellectually weak in to me, to the highest order. It seems like a plea. Please don't raise someone who's going to disagree with me. Yeah, no, that is it's exactly what terrifying. it is. It's terrifying. And I know. That, I mean, this argument. I don't want to. I want to. I want to go this direction before we get too far. I know it's hard for people who are gay, who are trans, for people who fall under this non-binary, um, non-traditional uh, umbrella. I understand it's difficult, especially when you're being raised by conservatives. I live in the second most conservative county in the country. I know how hard it is for people who are different. Um, from their conservative parents or grandparents or family. I know how hard it is for them to feel accepted and to find support. And I know how hard it is for them to, um, to feel comfortable with who they are. I know it's hard. I, I know it. I know. My, my friends here suffer that. Many of them do. I had friends in high school who could not come out because their dad would literally beat the shit out of them. I know how hard it is. That does not mean you can take away a parent's right to raise their kid. Those two things do not connect. You have to, that is, that's a symptom. The, the conservatism is a symptom of the problem of social conservatism. That's the problem. You have to fight that kind of social conservatism. You can't just make it illegal and threaten a person's child. Do you think that's going to make them come to your side? You threaten to take somebody's child away? It's going to further, going to further... Divide people. That's all it is, man. And and again, I know how hard it is. I really do. I've seen it. I've seen it. Haven't experienced it, but I've seen it. And I've I've seen my friends how terrified they are, uh, especially here in the second most conservative county in the fucking country. I've seen it. And I mean, just again on this point to reiterate, my problem is not trying to nope. stop abuse of non non-binary. Like I I wholeheartedly support trying to stop that abuse my problem is just that i don't think at this stage that this law addresses children really understand that yeah. and and frankly they do not have look in the united states typically the law doesn't really even apply to kids the 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 rights that are protected and all that stuff um legally it's a really gray area whether or not they apply to minors in the united states um and i'm not I think different things about that, but my, 
my main issue is that you're not financially independent and not independent in the sense that you totally finance your own thing you're independent healthy or whatever but you're not gonna buy the clothes you're not gonna buy whatever you use the gauze or whatever it is you use to tie it on your boobs you're not gonna buy the hormone treatments you're not gonna be buying any of this stuff any of it and so you can't I, I think it's wrong it's so wrong this is why i hate the aca you can't force somebody to buy something they don't want to that's that's ethically wrong i just uh ugh, it bothers me so much because i can see it man i can just see it coming here and i know again with all this stuff yeah that's all this stuff that that's another another way just to phrase how we disagree with this the problem is not that we we disagree with the abuse it's that we exactly. see them coming for us next i know i'm fucking next dude do you think uh, do you think government if i'm having a conversation and i'm not one of these people that look i was raised such that my parents respected my opinions my parents i was raised uh in a household where we talked about politics i wasn't told what to think we discussed politics we discussed gender and race and sex and all this stuff we discussed these things and that's that's the kind of parent i would like to be but if if somebody finds out that I'm telling my kid, well, nah, I don't think government's legitimate. I think government should be abolished. And they think that's abuse. In fucking Ontario, I lose my goddamn kid. That's so wrong. <laughs> and I know I'm next. I know I'm next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Extremism is never the answer. Extremism, it, it, you're right. It doesn't work. And all of this just takes the... I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems with this. All of this just takes the, the, the power to move society forward out of society's hands. Society mm-hmm. is not the government. The decisions the government makes does not represent society. Government is not representative of society. If you think government is representative of society, then you vote differently than 51% of your neighbors and see how much representation you get. Government is not representative of society. And, and so we have to... Society moves itself forward it, and it always has it doesn't need government to come in and say i'm gonna steal your kid if you don't agree with me oh god okay okay do you want to talk about reality winner um we can hit this uh, you said you were familiar fast. with it so do you just want to take um, it because i'm not that familiar i was sure yeah so reality winner uh worked for the nsa and she she Yes, she. I had to make sure that I had her, uh, her gender correct. Um, she leaked an NSA document, I think only one, uh, or just like a small number of documents yeah. to The Intercept. And The Intercept published them, and within a week, uh, it was a very short number of days, uh, a warrant was served and she was arrested. And so this... Uh, article that you found from eroticsec.com it explains how the Intercept outed her and I feel like that is grossly incorrect Um, she was really (laughs) the documents I think the the Intercept made mistakes in their publishing of them but I definitely think that she should have covered these bases herself yeah so basically um, what happened is she leaked documents to the Intercept Presumably she leaked them so that they would be published. The Intercept publishes them, and then the NSA um, arrests her. That's the the outing. Uh, So what she did is she printed the files out at the NSA, 
then scanned them and emailed them to the Intercept. Well, the NSA has watermark tracking on all of their printers. Most printers have this dot matrix code that prints in a very, very light yellow that you can barely detect, and it tells you the model of the printer, the date of the printing, all this metadata about the sheet. This your yeah. your regular so home the NSA does knew, that too. Yeah, so these these documents that the Intercept publishes, they have that watermark on them. So the NSA takes it, says, "Oh, it was printed from this printer at this date. Who <laughs> used the printer then?" <laughs> and she's caught. That's really sloppy leaking. Um, you know, I am super. I don't think I have to say this on this podcast. Super yes. pro whistleblowing. Uh, it's really important. Uh. But in a lot of cases, it is criminal. Be fucking careful. Um, and that's literally all I have to, to say about this. Uh, yeah. And it's sad. You know, thank you for whistleblowing, for trying to share information to the public. Um, you work for the NSA. Why don't you know this? <laughs> so I, I feel like, I feel like yeah, you should know probably. better. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I feel like. There are things the Intercept could have done with, like, color filtering and stuff like that to make sure that, that these didn't get uploaded with that watermark. Yeah. But I don't think the onus is on them to do that. Um, I don't know really what the conventions are, though, for dealing with leaks and stuff like that. So I can't say that for sure. Um, I don't think it would be. I would think that what she sh- probably should have done, if she had access to the file enough to copy it, then she probably had access, or I'm sorry, enough to print it. Then she probably had access enough to to copy it to something. Copy it to like a to, USB even drive to print it, take it without, home, scan it, do the color correction you need to do to get rid of that watermark, and then send it. Like I mean, you can do all this on your own. You can get rid of those of that little dot matrix that that they. It's not a. I'm using the term dot matrix incorrectly, but it literally is a series of dots in the in the the exactly in exactly. <laughs> um, it's not like it was printed on an old-timey printer with the tear-off edges and shit. <laughs> um, but, it, it, yeah, this... Uh, be aware. Um, and, and those of you, even at home, be aware that your home printer has this, too. Um, most printers have this. They just hide the serial number of the printer and the date of printing and all, all this metadata in, the, in this little matrix that's printed where you can barely see it on the page. and. Be aware of that if you're ever thinking about printing out um, documents of questionable legality on your own printer. And there are things you can do to color correct to get rid of those. But oh, Jesus, I don't. Um, I don't know if this is the Intercept's fault. I don't know what the conventions are. But my theory is no. Yeah, I don't know. I've been I've been trying to think um, about like other examples of of whistleblowing recently, but like. Edward Snowden and whoever leaked all the documents to uh, WikiLeaks recently, like, those were huge data collections. They weren't printed. Um, I think the two most important ones in recent history... So I don't know that there's actually a whole lot of precedent. Chelsea Manning and Snowden. Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden, and the yet anonymous person who who has leaked to We don't know. We don't know, guys. We don't know. I'm not talking about Seth Rich on this show anymore. Because my, it's too tempting. It's too tempting. I would be, fuck, dude. Do you know what my numbers are on my Seth Rich videos? Oh, fuck. No. They did so well. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't, I'm not going to be that guy. Because I'm not, 
look, I'll, I'm, I'm covered. I covered it because I think it's important, and I think there's some credibility to the theory, and there's a lot of unanswered questions yet, and all, there's a bunch of reasons why I actually covered the story. It's a conspiracy theory, though, and the onus is on the theorist to prove it, right? And I'm, I don't want to be a conspiracy mm-hmm. theory channel, <laughs> but my numbers were so good. <laughs> My Seth Rich videos did so well uh, that so much so that, that I'm not covering Seth Rich anymore. Unless something really, really big happens, I can't cover Seth Rich anymore because I, I'm I'm gonna get addicted to those numbers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's this is all yeah. I have to say about this story. Like it sloppy. was just sloppy across the um, board, I guess. But thank you. Um. Yeah. Okay. So you want to talk about Harvard for a minute? Uh, yeah, sure. This, man, this is one hell of a story. Isn't that, this is, uh, shit's getting out of control, dude. Shit is actually spinning out of control in front of our eyes. Um, from the BBC, I'll just read a little bit of this, uh, this thing here. Um, the students, okay, uh, obscene, quote obscene, memes posted on a private Facebook page have cost 10 students their place at Harvard, reports the college newspaper. The students posted messages joking about child abuse, sexual assault, pedophilia, and the Holocaust. Members of the... All those dank Pepe memes, man. I can't believe people got rejected from Harvard for posting dank memes. I don't fucking... Members of the group also directed several racial slurs at minorities, said the report. Free speech advocates criticized Harvard's actions, saying the punishment was draconian. Information about Harvard's actions was reported by the Crimson, the main student newspaper at the prestigious college. The obscene material was posted to a chat forum on Facebook that grew out of a messaging group set up by students due to to start studying at Harvard this year. The offshoot group was formed by prospective students who were interested in memes and who wanted to share more adult material than was seen in the main chat room. Anyone who wanted to join the subgroup had to apply by creating and posting a provocative meme. Soon after the group was formed, Harvard administrators found out about it and launched the investigation asking students to explain their contributions to the chat group. A week later, said the report, at least 10 members of the group were told that their admission offers to Harvard had been withdrawn. Uh, Telling you, man. Uh, it's been <laughs> That's... Oh, I can't believe people... I can't believe Harvard was like... Nah, these memes too dank, yo. You can't get into Harvard with these dank memes. Too too dank. Jesus fuck. No. Okay. Uh, Fire, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, is an organization that I'm a huge, huge, huge fucking fan of. Thefire.org. If you want to go there and read their stuff and support them, what they do is they they organize. They don't organize per se. They don't rank like that. But they they apply a rating system to colleges. Uh, free speech, um, just colleges' rules about speech on campus. So we know that colleges, uh, you know, public universities are, uh, they are government institutions, and so your rights of free speech are protected on those institutions, on the grounds of those institutions. And the the, the FIRE uh, organization gives a green light, yellow light, or red light to an organization based upon their various policies. Harvard... Is a red light. <laughs> um, they are among the worst. Um, yellow light means you need some tinkering to actually be in compliant with free speech. Green light means you're good to go. And red light means you're not a free speech campus at all, and you're looking for a lawsuit. 
That's effectively the, the metric that they use, is whether, is whether or not you're begging for a lawsuit. And, um, okay, they wrote up a little thing about that. Uh, uh, Marcio Jose Bastos Silva. No, I'm sorry, that's the credit for the, uh, for the photo. Um, Will Creeley wrote this on fire. Having spent the last decade defending student and faculty rights, I've learned a couple of things about exactly what type of campus civil liberties violations receive the most media attention. It's not always what one might expect. For example, I remember feeling shocked that a student's expulsion over a Facebook post protesting the construction of a parking garage didn't warrant above-the-fold coverage. I was amazed that students blacklisted for complaining to administrators about being subjected to mandatory transvaginal ultrasounds performed by their peers somehow didn't go viral and make its way onto every social media timeline in the country. And my colleague, Samantha Harris, just penned a powerful piece for Vox about, about the relative media silence regarding Princeton University professor uh, Kiana Yamata, I don't, I'm sure I just butchered that, Taylor, who has received death threats and been forced to cancel appearances following her Hampshire College commencement address last month. On the other hand, sometimes I know exactly when a situation will garner wall-to-wall press coverage. If something controversial happens at Harvard, for example, Fire's inbox lights up very quickly. Even the Oregonian... I'm sorry. Fucking what? The Oregonian? Even the Onion gets in on the act. True to form, over the last two days, I fielded phone calls about Harvard College's decision to rescind offers of admission extended to 10 students who participated in a private meme thread on Facebook, posting racist and sexually explicit graphics and text in an apparent effort to be as offensive as possible. If you're of a certain age and don't know what a meme is, check out this useful explainer from the Chronicle of Higher Education. Here's what I told the Chronicle of Higher Education explaining memes. Ah, <laughs> uh, Western society is collapsing. Here's what I... <laughs> Yep. Here's what I told the journalist yep. I spoke with from Forbes, the Mercury News, the Boston Globe. If the students had been full-fledged Harvard students posting these memes on their private Facebook group, then punishing them would violate Harvard's promises of free expression. Indeed, I noted that just a few weeks ago, Harvard President Drew Gilpin Faust extolled the, the, necessi- the necessity of free speech in the speech she delivered for Harvard's 366th commencement. President Faust said that Harvard's values of, uh, and our theory of education rests on the assumption that members of our community will take the risk of speaking and actively com- compete in our world rompus of argument and ideas. Uh, were, the ten student, were these 10 students freshmen, sophomores, juniors, or seniors that the college actions would, be directly, would have directly contradicted President Faust's observations at the Harvard Pledge? Of course, the wrinkle here is that the students have only been offered admission. It isn't clear whether any of them had yet paid deposits or tuition that would afford them the protection of some kind of contractual relationship with Harvard. Even if they had, the Harvard Crimson reports that admitted students are warned that the college reserves the right to withdraw an offer of admission under various conditions, including if an admitted student engages in behavior that brings into question his or her honesty, maturity, or moral character. So as I told the journalist, the question presented was new was a new one to me, although I suspect it won't be the last time we see admissions offers extended to students revoked following controversial social media posts. Um, uh, and it's worth noting that FIRE has praised proposed state legislation that would protect students from being required to hand over social media passwords to colleges and universities. I also made one other point in speaking to the reporters. I noted that while Harvard's decision might be permissible, given the moral given the morals clause in the admission offer, I'm... It still might be an unfortunate outcome for both the students and the college. As I told the Mercury News, Emily DeRoy, and in Creeley's view, at least, Harvard's decision is unfortunate. Sometimes the punishment of hurtful, offensive speech misses out on an opportunity to educate, he said. And I think that's what colleges and universities are particularly well-equipped to do. I made a similar point to the Boston Globe's Laura Krantz. In other words, kicking these students out before their college education has begun means that they won't learn why the professors might have found their post shocking or offensive. Um... 
That last yes. point is very poignant. Um, I really like how in that synopsis you just read, he characterizes the group as people who intentionally wanted to post offensive yeah. memes. That that means that the group doesn't agree with the points of the memes they're they're posting. It means that they are offensive, they disagree with them, but they're the kind of people who like, you know, dark, yes. offensive humor. Um, so you're not punishing them for what they believe, you're punishing them for um, Speaking. saying <laughs> yeah. something that you don't agree with when they Obviously, also don't the agree with it. if the point is to say, hey, post a provocative or offensive thing, post an offensive thing, tell me something offensive, offend me. If you know it's offensive when you say it, you know it's wrong. You're aware that it's offensive. It's it's punishing people for their sense of humor. I think that's you're what exactly I was trying right. to go for earlier, but couldn't quite punishing people for their sense find of the humor. Words. I absolutely agree. Uh, so to cover up to to cover Harvard, um, their fire rating, their speech code rating is a red light. Um, their red light policies include their harassment regulations. Their free speech guidelines are a yellow light policy, and their various handbook policies are also fairly hostile to speech. Uh, cases, let's look. They've blacklisted groups. Administration threatened to cancel barely legal party due to events name. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's they're, they're fucking, Harvard's a fucking shit show. And, and I don't understand the mentality that leads you to... First of all, this is a private Facebook group, and they didn't pretend to be affiliated with Harvard. So that's a nope. fucking problem as far as I'm concerned. The fact that oh, a yeah, supported institution would be like, oh, this person posted something privately in a private Facebook group that doesn't pretend to be part of us, and we're going to punish them for that? Fuck that noise. Um, I know the, the, the person who wrote the piece for Fire was making an argument about it being, uh, about it, them not actually being students yet, so maybe it's okay, but I... I don't agree. Well, and he was also saying it's only okay under the legal definitions of, um, you know, Harvard's right to withdraw. He wasn't necessarily saying it was okay for free speech or okay morally. And, you know, that's an important distinction. Well, I want to talk about uh, piracy filters in the EU. Speaking of the TPP, (laughs) and it's like, are you interested in in covering this? This seems kind of like it's up your alley. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, let's go, go for ahead. this. Um, I mean, so do you want me to read any of this article? If you think, if you think a part of it is, I'll read the I'll read the absolutely. synopsis here at the top. Uh, I'll just this read the synopsis from, uh, at the top. Uh, yeah, a oh, good yeah, site. I really like it. Actually, um, a group of prominent legal scholars has warned that the EU Commission's plans to modernize copyright law in Europe appear to be incompatible with EU law. One of the main problems is the mandatory piracy filter internet services are required to use, which largely ignore existing case law and human rights. So there's, there's, I believe, three sections of previous EU, um, EU Commission uh, 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 directives. Here's the thing about the EU, and this is something a lot of people don't know. The EU Commission cannot make laws. They have no legal power to actually make laws that member states have to follow. They are allowed to issue directives. Now, here's the thing. They will punish you as a nation state if you do not follow their directives. So, 
that's part of the interesting thing about the EU is that people act like the EU passes laws, and in fact, they sort of do, but they're not legally allowed to. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting uh, distinction, that they can't pass laws. So theoretically, if it's worth it to you to stay in the EU and not, you know, a, a pass a law to support a directive, um, I mean, the cost of that is the whatever penalties they can levy. Um, and, well, we saw what they did. I mean, when Britain was talking about leaving and when the prime minister, uh, the previous prime minister, I've already forgotten the guy's name. Uh, there are too many heads of state. The uh, Cameron. James when Cameron? he was out talking against the EU and stuff like that, that's when the EU said, uh, you owe us money. You still owe us money. They didn't care about it until the UK was sort of turning on the EU. They didn't care about the fact that the UK hadn't paid up effectively, but they suddenly cared once that started happening. Yeah, so, again, I know basically nothing about EU law, so I don't know about whatever articles this uh, conflicts with. Um, uh, the, the most interesting thing to me is the burden this puts on That's internet exactly service right. providers. Um, because now internet service providers have to have the infrastructure to, depending, there are multiple ways you can implement this. Um, the, the one that's talked about the most is um, like doing deep packet inspection to see if someone is, if this traffic is a, a torrent traffic. Um, because if you're not doing that, then you have to just rely on copyright holders reporting copyright abuse, uh, which they can do. That's how DMCA's work in the U.S. Um, so you have to implement deep packet inspection, which means that you have to have the computational infrastructure to inspect every single packet or... Not necessarily every single a a number some of packets. Um, yeah, some representative of of packets from every person that well, you provide a, internet to, and that infrastructure is this, not this insignificant. Is, uh, this is interesting to me. I I'm worried about the language of this because it looks like um, the commission proposal obliges uh, obliges such service providers to take appropriate and proportionate measures to ensure the protection of user uploaded, uploaded works, for example, by putting in place content recognition technologies. Um, uh, online services which deal with large volumes of user uploaded content must use fingerprinting or other detection mechanisms. So wait a minute. This I'm worried about the language of this a lot, actually, because this either would apply to service providers or it would apply to things like Putlocker. So, yeah, like, upload it, it, sites. It references user-generated content a lot, but it also references service providers. So, is this just places like PutLocker and YouTube? Or is it also, is it PutLocker, YouTube, and ISPs? Hmm, that is really interesting. Um, I mean, in yeah, the case YouTube of YouTube, they already have I'm, this. I'm like, you know, your YouTubes, your mega uploads, your video weeds, it your, gets, you know. And up uh, YouTube's... Uh, you know, report functionality gets abused so that effectively you can get a copyright strike against any channel yep. that you don't like. Um, that's fairly easy. Um, so, I mean, that's a problem there if it's on the end Abuse of, is a big problem, you know, especially hosts, with your uh, 
I think Sony is a massive uh, abuser of the system. They, the the guy, um, yeah, Sony uh, Tokyo TV. Because I'm really interested in anime, um, they're a huge one. Like uh, if you upload, you know, a clip of an anime which was aired on Tokyo TV, they will yeah. remove the video. Well, uh, immediately, Mr. Sunday um, Movies uploaded a video about Spider-Man: Homecoming. Using, you know, he was talking over the whole thing. There was no audio from the actual thing, but he just used clips from their trailers, from their promotional material, and and short little clips. And this is how you do those kinds of videos, right? Um, trailer breakdowns. And, yep. And it is protected absolutely. under fair use. Sony claimed it. Sony abuses this yep. system to a ridiculous yep. degree. And there's no appeals process because you're just a little fish. So, yep. Yeah, that's so. That's a. One of the problems there, um, this would move those hosts out of the UK, or out of the EU, rather. Um, basically, you just buy a server that's not in the EU, and now they no longer have jurisdiction, and you continue running your service as normal, except everyone in the EU uh, has to wait longer because of internet latency. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, even I'm, yeah, Sweden, Sweden has I'm, a lot I'm of in that. Sweden. I'm sorry. Um, although less, because yeah. Sweden is cracking down on it a little bit. Well, because bit. now they know. Um, they just realized, I think, that, oh shit, everybody's using us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's problematic on that front, but, you know, the, the solution is just to stop hosting in the EU. Uh, so they lose business. Yeah. That's the consequence of that. If it's on the ISP level, it's way more troubling because now they have deep packet inspection technology uh, in place and they can reappropriate that to inspect yep. for any well, content the they want. problem with all the net neutrality stuff is all the back doors, and we talked about this, I believe, all the back doors and all the net neutrality stuff that talks about lawful content, lawful traffic, all this stuff that, that, that they sort of weasel in there to open up the door for regulation further down the road. Yeah, so uh, basically what you have in this, if it's an ISP uh, deep packet inspection type technology, um, which honestly sounds like the most reasonable to me, um, now you have the found work for the Great Firewall of China. The, the foundation, the, you know, that's Congratulations! You're on your way to having the uh, civil rights laws of China. I'm, I'm so happy. I didn't make that connection. I just didn't think to connect those two things. That is, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Oh fuck! And just this, this in connection with all of the other um, cultural cultural fascism that we've seen, and actual fascism, like in fucking Canada and Ontario. Um, all of this in connection with one another, and it's fucking right around the corner, dude. <laughs> it's freakishly close. Just 19 fucking 84, all this shit is so close. It's yeah. so close. It, I've always said, you know, one of the things I've always said is that the slippery slope is not a logical fallacy, it's an eventuality. And there are, there are, there are places yeah. where the slippery slope applies and places where it doesn't. I think it definitely applies here. <laughs> Um, all right. Do you want to talk about this last little story? Because it, uh, I think it's interesting. I've got a weird sort of, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, 
All right, let's uh, let's go into this. I, I want to talk about this. I'm curious what your you're seeing your notes here. I'm curious okay, what your um, take is. This is from Six Colors. Uh, Who I'm really? actually subscribed to. Uh, I hadn't seen this particular article yet, but yeah, they're in my uh, RSS aggregator. Uh, today at the Worldwide Developer Conference, Apple made some major announcements about improvements to its offerings in the podcast in the podcast world. Uh, as mentioned in Monday's keynote, Apple Podcast app, which is almost certainly the most popular method of listening, is getting an overhaul in iOS 11 including the new interface as well as some changes to how podcasts can be structured. This comes with a way of extensions to feed format podcasts used to list their available episodes. Uh, extensions to Apple's podcast feed specification will allow podcasts to define individuals, define, define individual seasons and explain whether an episode is a teaser, a full episode, or a bonus or bonus content. Uh, extensions will be read with the podcast app and used to present. They're basically just adding things to what can be recognized by RSS. Um, here's mm-hmm. what bothers me about this. Um, they're also doing like podcast analytics and stuff like that through all this, which isn't doesn't fucking matter. It's not going to help. Like podcasts are downloaded in so many different places. Even the Apple Podcasts app having podcast analytics isn't going to fucking help anybody know anything about their podcast. It's podcast no. analytics at this point's the wild fucking west. Nobody knows how many people actually listen. Yeah, I mean, and the interesting thing too here is that um, Six Colors has written about other podcast apps mm-hmm. on iOS, which are better than Apple's default. Um, Overcast is one that uh, I believe both Jason Snell, who writes Six Colors, and I know John Gruber, another prominent, I talked about him earlier, uh, really like Overcast, and they're constantly talking about different podcast apps you know, exactly. on iOS. So the analytics here not helpful. really um, substantial. What bothers me is this. I don't like... Look, I'm I'm totally okay with expanding the feed and and you know being able to recognize more stuff in the RSS format. That's I I'm totally with that. I I don't like the fact that Apple has such a stranglehold on podcasting. Um, because you know that since Apple did this, next it's going to be coming to Overcast, Google Music, um, it's going to be coming to Pocket Casts and and you know all these other podcast apps that are considered to be premium kind of podcast apps. All this stuff is going to be coming there to those apps. And so what bothers me is that um, I don't like the fact that Apple has so much control. I really don't. I don't like, I don't like the fact that really? Apple can say, uh, change to podcast things. And then everyone else is going to be like, change your podcast. We're changing the way podcasts are done now. I don't like that. Podcasting, when Adam Curry and Dave Weiner told Apple that they could uh, distribute podcasts... Apple agreed to keep it completely open. Uh, it's it still is. It still is. Still, yeah, completely it is. Open. It absolutely is. But I think when you do something like this, and just I think I think the fact that Apple can reach up and turn a dial, and everyone else goes, "Fuck, there's new new standards." What? I'm just, no, there are not new standards. Podcasting is the same as it's always been. Apple's just going to be looking for some new stuff in the feed. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't like the fact that Apple says jump and podcasting as a community says how high. You know what I mean? I guess. I don't have a problem with it, though. Like, this is a thing that Apple can implement. Apple says, Mm -hmm. look, we want to make podcasting better for the people who use our service. We have these new ideas, so you get more information about your podcasts. And for, you know, a user, if someone who uses... Uh, iTunes podcasts or what the fuck ever it's called, like, great. They get more information. 
Um, but only if they're used for currently, only if they're using, you know, the iTunes podcast, and only if the feeds Just they listen start to, to start yeah. adding that information. Yeah. Because the, the people with feeds don't have to if, change anything if they don't want to. It's not like your feed's outdated now. This is extra shit that you can add if you want to. And I totally understand that. And I, and if if you add this to your feed, you know, other podcast apps aren't going to break. <laughs> Assuming, yeah, they're, yeah. Written assuming well. they're developed in some reasonable <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not going to break. And if they do break, you probably yeah, shouldn't be using that service anyways. Um, you know, so so it doesn't change anything. So it's entirely democratic. So now, now uh, it's competition, okay. basically. It's a, a free market competition is the way I see it. Because now other people say, oh, if we want to compete with Apple, we have to also provide a better experience for our customers. I just don't um, like. I just. Uh, that's how I, I, I have see a problem it. with anything Apple's doing here. I really don't. Everything Apple's doing here is fine and probably great for those people who are Apple devotees with podcasts and stuff like that. That's. I'm. I'm totally fine with everything Apple's doing. I don't like the sort of cultural effect of Apple saying, uh, "Oh, we're going to turn this knob a little bit," and the world of podcasting going, "Oh, Apple has changed podcasting." No, they haven't. No, they haven't. No, and I don't like. They haven't. I don't like the fact that there. if Stitcher, I don't um, particularly like Stitcher, but if Stitcher came out and said we're going to be changing how we look at the feeds, everybody would go. Eh. Or if Google Music came out and said we're going to be changing how we look at the feeds, everybody would go. Eh. I mean, most podcatchers use the iTunes as a back end anyway, so that's fine. But there's there there's a really interesting counterexample in incredibly recent history, though. Are you familiar with JSON I feed? I've heard about it. I don't know anything about it. I've heard the word. So just two two developers who, as far as developers go, are relatively well known for stuff that I don't know because, you know, I don't care. <laughs> um, they were like... <laughs> <laughs> they came out and said, XML is garbage. And, you know, RSS relying on XML on the way you have to structure your feeds and all of this is incredibly poorly written, incredibly confusing. It's a pain in the ass to implement. Well, that's because you use no, Squarespace run, and they do it I've all for you. I've run my own feeds. When I, when, I read, when I ran the podcast off of a blogger page, I, I ran my own feed. Well, okay, on, on the developer end, um, parsing XML oh, okay. and building things out of XML is that. kind of a pain in the ass. It's this is a, a developer thing. It's it's um, it's, it's back end. It's not and so they said, stuff. Yeah. So they said, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take basically the RSS spec, but instead of XML, now you can do it in JSON, which is way easier to implement. And within two weeks, um, half a dozen RSS aggregators, including the one I use, um, started supporting it. Um, people blogged about the process of implementing it, and one guy was like, It took me half an hour to implement this um, into my RSS aggregator. Like, this is super easy, it's super nice, and, you know, because people are doing this now, um, uh, or uh, aggregators are doing it, now feeds are starting to support it, and people are like, oh, it's so much easier, you know, to manage to to put this stuff out as a JSON feed. Um, and it came from two, you know, relatively unknown guys. That's really cool. Did, okay, um, I have a question about that, though. Does that um, change uh, RSS formatting? Just the way it's parsed on no, the back end? just the way it's parsed on That's the back really end. That's really cool, actually. It is. And, you know, 
it's a great example of some no-name company changing. And, you know, because it's RSS, uh, it can work for podcasts. Um, so it's the same same mm-hmm. thing, same kind of cool change, but, you okay. know, from someone who isn't Apple. All right. And people are paying attention. That, well, that was you, uh, my main point okay. with that. Like, you have made uh, an awesome point. Okay. I suppose my... my uh... My worries, I, I guess, are said, not as founded as I thought they were. You know, I'm still not sure that's true, actually. It's because, you know, if Apple does something, even if they're not at the forefront of it, the Apple fanboys will jump up and down and go, Apple has changed everything, yeah. when that's not the case. I, I don't necessarily think your anger is unfounded. Well, it's, it's I just so don't share it. It is suspicion. And I'm, I'm, I'm more, because I know how Apple loves to wall things off. And I could totally see Apple just flipping Adam Curry and Dave Weiner the bird and just being like, nah, yeah. we're blowing it off. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. So this just makes me suspicious. But I, I will say this. The, um, the podcasting space makes the podcasting space makes me suspicious anyway because most of the podcasts that you see that are considered to be top-tier must-listens are serial are uh they're repurposed <laughs> PR content like cereal <laughs> um mm-hmm. yep. uh, which came out of yep. that kind of repurposed npr shit or uh, and you know radio lab and all this other stuff that's considered to be great podcasts and also things like that have been around since 2006 which deserve to be there smodcast and joe rogan experience and everything adam curry does and all that stuff right so you've got either people who have been there since 2006 or you have repurposed NPR shit. The repurposed NPR yeah. shit bothers the fuck out of me because that's not a podcast. That's radio content that you've uploaded. Yeah, radio yeah. content on the internet. And I, I like both. Um, I, don't, I listen to like Radio Lab and I listen to you know some different stuff. But podcasting to me is stuff that allows you to do like no agenda. And it allows you to do... I just listened to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I listened to his three-part series, 1,500 minutes approximately, about the First World War. Did I say three-part? I meant six-part. It's a six-part series. Uh, it's a yeah, you said three-part. Yeah. I was like, man, yeah, that's it's, it's, it's really long. It's around 230, 240 minutes per episode. And this that's thing insane. blew my fucking mind. It's better than... Anything I've heard on on like long form podcasting like that, it is it is incredible. But that to me is podcasting. It it opens up the door so you can do that kind of thing, not upload your goddamn NPR shows. Yeah, I I, I see my issue, that. My issue um, with it is that the NPR shows have taken up so much of that top tier that there are really good creators, and I don't count mm-hmm. myself among them. I'm not good enough to be in the top 100. I'm not. But there are really good creators who are pushed out of that top 100 because radio guys are uploading their shit. Marketing? Yeah, exactly. Marketing. And just the public's love affair with NPR. Yeah, which is weird <laughs> and unwarranted. Unearned. People think that dead rooms and people, you know, talking kind of like this into the mic and, you know, it's, you, you want to... Um, you know, it's welcome to this 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 NPR show where we uh, we are definitely intellectual and and we're definitely uh, very liberal. 
And uh, we we're basically the the embodiment of New York. Everything New York wants to be when it grows up. That's what we want to sound like on NPR. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It just bothers me. I don't know. I'm not. Look again. I know I'm not good enough to be top 100 material, but. I, I, I don't like the fact that NPR's over here like, we'll just upload our shit and tell it a podcast. It's like, you're not a podcast, though, dude. You're just, you're NPR. It's, exactly. it's internet radio. It's fine. It's, it's not, not alternative. alternative. It's not alternative internet radio. <laughs> That's part of the it's reason that I call the network alternative internet radio is because of all the NPR shit. But, um... <clears throat> Yeah, that's, I don't know. And I maybe it's unfounded. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I just hate NPR enough that I hate everything they do. Um, because I do. I hate NPR. Uh, I think it's a waste of money and space. I think there's definitely a place online for uploading your radio show. And I feel like the podcast space is as good a space as any, I guess. I understand. Um, you know, I, I really like some alternative indie podcasts. Or whatever the indie podcasting scene. Ugh, <laughs> um, uh, 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 I like I like that, but I I do also like the heavily edited. Um, you know, we're trying yeah. to tell a concise Radio Lab story. Does that. The difference is Radio kind of. Lab's interesting. Like that's that's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing that's important too is uploading fucking something that sounds like all things considered up doesn't fucking do anything. I don't, I don't, I find it boring. And the fact that everybody's downloading it and it's consistently in the top 10, I just can't stand it. There's somebody that deserves it more than NPR and they're getting ignored. They're not in the top 10 because I don't know, because NPR is there. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not NPR. And again, this is why, again, this is, this is why Austin, Austin is, there's so much good indie new media stuff happening in Austin. It's so punk rock. Some of the stuff that's going on there. And, uh, I don't want to, uh, again, it's, man, when you just said indie podcasting scene, I was like, fuck, is that what I am? <laughs> yeah, that's what you are. <laughs> I don't want to be that. I don't want that to be my life. Oh, it's okay. It'll be all right. So, so if you ever, you know, get successful as a podcast and start making revenue off your, your Patreon and you know, upgrade your mics and shit, and have have good audio quality. I will be the first person in line to call you a sellout. Please do, please do. I can only hope that happens. <laughs> it really, I mean, this is the stuff I like doing. This is what I want to do in my life. And so, if it gets to the point where I can reasonably do this with my life, that'll be the first thing I do: is quit whatever job I've got and do this forever. It's fun. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, as soon as uh, I have a few episodes written of any files, so as soon as I can replace my mic and stop using my shitty mm-hmm. laptop mic, um, that's you know there there are a couple episodes of any files in the works. Um, that it's makes fun. Me happy. I'm uh, I I really I don't know I just really like doing this. Oh, I haven't even been paying to the chat at all. Oh, cool. You were good. 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 Yeah, I've cool. I've been checking in on occasion. There. That's 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 a new development. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, it's empty. Um, all right, man. Well, I think that's all the stories. Yeah, we're gonna come out to about an hour and a half. Good time. Yeah, I like it. Good I show. Like it. We covered yeah, a lot of interesting I feel, stuff. I, I feel bad because I didn't do the quick hits, and my my full show last week was pretty sparse. So 
I was happy to do it, and I'm and I'm glad to do it with you actually because I really really enjoy having you on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. Of course, I like being here. Of course. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for being here. Uh, how about you tell people where you can be found? Uh, find me on Twitter at Shadowhawk54. That's the place I am most anymore. That's the best place to find me. Um, I have other social media, but I really don't use it a whole lot. Ello, we were plugging Ello for a while. Uh, Ello.co slash Shadowhawk54. Cheddar like the cheese. Twitter is Shadow, like the thing that you cast when you block light. Follows you around. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I was twelve and edgy <laughs> once. Uh, Reaper main. It's stuck. <laughs> Would you have been a? Yeah, so if you really want to find me on Elo, I guess you can. But you know, Twitter. All right, excellent. Uh, I can be found at Dean Wisner pretty much everywhere except Facebook. If you try to get a hold of me on Facebook, I'm going to block you because fuck Facebook. I hate Facebook. Um, Instagram at Dean Wisner. Twitter, Dean Wisner. W-I-S-E-N-E-R. If you are a student, if you are a student student who knows who I am, quit fucking following me on shit. This is something I've been dealing with. Uh, yeah. Oh? I've had some students follow me on Instagram and on YouTube. Oh, are you talking students like like the ones you uh, the ones I stood up in front uh, of sub for? I don't know if a few hours every day. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was public knowledge or not. I was trying to be yeah, a little yeah. Well, I don't careful. I, might you cut me off? But I you didn't. So it's not. Um. Yeah. Quit doing that shit. I don't like blocking people. It makes me feel a little dirty. But I am gonna block you. <laughs> if you're a student, quit. If Just, you're a skewed... Bookmark the page and go back and look at it every now and then, but don't subscribe to me. Don't fucking... No, none of that. I, I don't want... God, no. My job is more important than you, assholes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't care. It's... Damn. I, I do block... When students follow me on Instagram and shit like that, I do block them. Because I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna have anything come up ever. Um, I'm... It's so fucking scary, dude. So fucking scary nowadays. Um, I don't know why you'd even want to follow a teacher or substitute teacher. Like, that's not a thing that well, would you, have interested you tell me at students, all. Uh, a student says, um, "A student says you're on YouTube, like, because everybody's got a YouTube channel now." And a student goes, "You have a YouTube channel?" And you go, "Yeah." And they're like, "Oh, what do you do on it? What do you want to do? What can I follow you?" And it's like, "No, no, I don't like any of you." I don't care to. I'm not going to lose my job for you either. <laughs> so. I do actually have one more social media thing I just thought about that I want to share. Uh, if you're a fan of ah, anime. Playlist. yeah. If you're interested in my, my show when I finally start it up again, uh, you can follow me and the anime I'm watching on anylist.co. I am Shadowhawk54. I don't know exactly what the URL is. Uh, just use the search tab. Search for shit, because any list is sometimes confusing. I'm also... Uh, I'm yeah, also Shadowhawk for I believe it's Bendy Straws, right? Bendy Straws. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's the show, my friend. Thank you for being on. Uh, cool. Wonderful as always. Thank you again for having me. It was... I really Excellent. enjoyed it. Excellent. Um, this is going to be coming up on... Uh, I imagine all the uploads and shit will be finished tomorrow... Uh, afternoon or evening. 
Uh, that's when all of it should be done. This is going to go up on YouTube and on the website, which we'll put it on iTunes and in your podcatchers and, and whatnot. So it should be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it should be. I don't know that I'd describe it as pretty good. but It will certainly exist. And... Um, that's all for for uh for today. Uh, that's that's all that's all you gotta care about. Uh, yeah, don't care about anything else other than we talked about. No, uh, don't don't bother caring about it. Uh, Nothing no, else is, is worth all, caring this about. This is all what you should be concerned with. Pretty much. This is uh this is it. Bye. Welcome to Air Alternative Internet Radio. We are the podcast network that brings you listener-supported podcasts. Every show on this network is supported exclusively by their creators and their listeners. There are no ads on this network. That means the podcast is the product, not you. And remember, Ayer is always looking for new shows. If you've got a podcast or you want to start a podcast and you feel like you would fit well with our family, then what are you waiting for? Send us an email. Our address is admin at AIRAD.io. That's admin at AIRADIO.